Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun is set, and this is most definitely one. Thank you for tuning in. This is bonus episode number four. And we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing good, Brent. How are you? I am good. We've just been talking about foam. <laughs> yes. This is the exciting life of podcasters. <laughs> Configurations of foam. <laughs> Fun with foam. Fun with foam. But, but not, not in like a nightclub sense. No, sadly. No, not no, at not all. Not for either of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was just at the uh, Salvation Army looking at, you know, tags. I was flipping the shirts looking at the labels. Yep. One was Faded Glory. Oh. And I'm like, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's I should be on the nose. I should be buying that. Oh, yeah. You are what you wear. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, yeah, I do like shopping for uh, used clothes there. Yeah. But I have such weird short legs. Yeah. That it's it's hard to find things that fit. Like I, well, you're wide. I'm very. And I wide. don't mean fat. I mean like you're wide. Yeah, no, like, no. I, I yeah, don't I'm, know how <laughs> you would find things that would fit both your shoulders and your arms. I buy exclusively Dockers pants. Right. That's all I buy. <laughs> and I, I, in order to fit, like, I, I think they are 42, right. the size I have to buy. But the thing is, they're, I, I'm not a 42. I know. It's just, it, it's the only way everything fits. Well, it's like my feet are really wide like a hobbit. Right, so I, right. have to, I have to buy size 11. Right. But my feet are probably nine and a half, ten. Oh, yeah, But yeah. it's the width, right? So Yeah, yeah. I have ten and a half, but I'm like ten and a half, four E. Yeah. You know, I, I again, my shoes, I have custom shoes that are amazing. I just go to New Balance. Or... Well, I wear New Balance. I'm wearing New Balance right now. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I wear New Balance to the gym. Oh, or, like, okay. They're my comfy walking shoes. Yeah. But if I want to, you know. Put on the Ritz. Snazz it up a bit. I, that's right. Taking the lady out for Denny's. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, not Moxie's. We can't afford that. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. Yeah, yeah, Waiters? Yeah. What? <laughs> that's right. Kelsey's maybe. <laughs> you know, a little more my speed. Or no, what's that other one? Perkins. Perkins. Perk. Oh, they had a pie. There was a Perkins in Winnipeg. Right. And then this pie called Heath Bar Pie. Which is, a bis- in Canada, that would be a score bar. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. But they had this pie. Right. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Really? Oh. Score I would, pie. I would kill for that right now. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Which is I, even worse as I'm off sugar. So. <laughs> yeah, of That's course. why I want it so bad. Right, that right. <laughs> oh, man. Do you, have you ever been to Home Restaurant? No. It's uh, it's a chain. I, it's a Canadian chain. I don't know if it's BC only or not, hmm. but there's one in Salmon Arm at the top of the hill. Okay. We used to drive there from Revelstoke for the desserts. It was that good. Oh, yeah. Really? Well, anything to get out of Revelstoke. <laughs> how, uh, far, how long is the drive? From? About an hour and a half. That's a long way to get some pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember a friend of mine, um, 
Actually, I can't tell that story. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you later. But <laughs> oh, no. no this no, is no. really bad. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, we would drive... Well, because Revelstoke didn't get a Tim Hortons until later. Right. So we would drive to Sycamus or Salmon Arm for Tim Hortons. Right. So, you know, <laughs> like 90 minutes for donuts is not unusual for me. Isn't that... It's so funny you say that because even in Alberta, we would judge a town based on what chains it had. Oh, sure. Like bottom of the barrel, Burger Baron. <laughs> of course, If right? it had a Burger Baron, it was just hanging on but it, usually what they had um the next level was either and w or dairy queen oh yeah you could usually count on one of those two in a in a large enough town and if it had a mcdonald's oh it was a regular place that's right well we I, I could live here now of course <laughs> we had mcdonald's and and w wow uh yeah fancy but uh, no Dairy Queen. For, for, see, for me, Dairy Queen was the height of civilization. Right. So when we would go to Trail or Castle Garves when we were kids, right, uh, they had a Dairy Queen. Ooh. And so yeah, we were we were in the big city now. That's so funny. And I remember I went to a wedding in Castle Gar a few years ago, and it was the first time I'd been there in years. Right. And the Dairy Queen is still there, and it looks exactly the same as yeah, it did. Is that good? Or no, bad? no, no, it's it, it. No, it's not good. No. I mean, now now I think they've stepped out of their lane a little bit. They've got these grill and chill places. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a bit much. I mean... They're desperate. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. I've heard, actually, that generally fast food sales are down in North America. They are. People just aren't eating it anymore. Yeah, which is great. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's literally poison. So, yeah. I mean, most of them are coming out with salads. Uh, Right. The only one I still would really go to would be like a Wendy's because they've got the baked potatoes. Oh, Wendy's has baked potatoes? Oh, yeah. They're good. Oh, I had no idea. And baked potatoes, like health-wise for fiber and potassium and all those good things they're awesome i and guess so they've got salads so huh. go there. but then i blow it and i get a cheesy cheddar burger so yeah yeah it's, it hurts the nutritional value a yeah little bit. a little bit <laughs> i i i have the, this dirty pleasure like not dirty what's something for like, wow yeah i have a filthy pleasure <laughs> my guilty pleasure is mcdonald's uh, they're, I don't, know, I don't know what it's called. It's on their like dollar menu. Oh, McDoubles. McDoubles. I love McDoubles. Yes. That's my late night thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. It's Cause sometimes when I'm working on the show, yeah. I'll go to the McDonald's up on Hillside. Right. And I try and just buy a coffee. <laughs> But sometimes you're sitting there and you think, oh, I could just go for one of these things. Now, what I learned on my recent trip to Las Vegas, because uh, we'd go through the McDonald's drive through for breakfast when we're heading to Grand Canyon or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, their coffee's different. Really? We have way better coffee here. Really? And I don't know if that's because they're doing the whole McCafe thing here more than there. Right. But there, the coffee just, nope, not the same coffee at all. Interesting. So that was a little sad. Yeah, no kidding. That would and, be a- and they had these other things. They were a dollar for sausage biscuit. Uh, oh, drier than. Yeah, the whole oh. biscuit, sausage, no. no. I, I, you know, I had um, uh, that, what is that? Chicken gravy, what do they call that? The chicken gravy, the country fried steak. You oh, know how yeah, they do yeah, that? And they yeah, put yeah, that yeah. sausage gravy. Right, sausage gravy. Oh, I, oh, when they get that right. <laughs> oh, really? I could fucking bathe in that. This is like it's a bonus episode. We, we're just talking about food and nothing but food. <laughs> I'm drooling. I should have eaten lunch. <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, when they get it right, uh, there's a place in Seattle called Maxine's. Oh, yeah. I think it's, that's what, or no, Geraldine's. Okay. It's a kind of a community restaurant, and they do country fried steak with that gravy. Oh, I could eat it with a spoon. A biscuits and gravy place opened up here. What? Yeah, a couple months ago on Johnson. Oh, bitch and biscuit or biscuit bitches or yeah, some yeah, it's, something it's like that. Biscuits is and it gravy. Good? I I can't eat it, so I don't know. All right. It's all butter and shit. But I've heard good things because okay. I think they're from Seattle. I think oh. they're a chain. 
Okay, I gotta try it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, apparently they're good. Yeah. Getting back to the point of us being here, which is yes. not talking about food. Yeah, well, kind of. Dinner and a movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, last night, we watched Jeremy Corbell's brand new documentary, Hunt for the Skinwalker. We did. And we thought we'd uh, talk a little bit about that because we spent a long time thinking we were going to do a Skinwalker Ranch episode. Right. Back when the original format of the show was kind of like... Uh, I don't want to now. No, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I pulled back because it's hard to find verified stuff from Skinwalker. Right. You know, because it's such a... a, a a famous place. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Skinwalker Ranch is part of a parcel of land in the Uinta Basin in northeastern Utah. Uh, and it's called Skinwalker Ranch because that is one of the creatures people say walk there. It's a First Nations thing, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah they're, they're believed to be evil witches who can take on the form of an animal or, uh, you know, doing various evil things. Cool. So, yeah, nothing like, good. Like what evil things? Like, uh, are these things hard? <laughs> yeah, all they do is they take the batteries out of your remote control, <gasps> or they remove one sock from your dryer. You know, it's really funny about that. My friend uh, had told her kid, who at the time was like seven or eight, right? They were quite in a bit of a conflict, and she finally said to her kid, "Look, that's it. Go to your room." And uh, the kid went to her room, and then the mom let her out. And then the next day, mom sat down to watch TV and couldn't get it to work. Oh, she didn't no. know what was going. Yeah. The kid took the batteries and hid them in her drawer. Oh. And her mom was like, that's some next level psycho shit there. <laughs> yeah. Like, you really have to think that one through. Yeah, yes. I don't know. That, that is concerning, but I think you don't really need to be worried until you go to bed and there's a picture of you with your eyes cut out. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the point where you think, ah, you know, maybe it's time for boarding uh, school. Yeah, maybe. You know? Maybe I need to bring in a professional at this point. Yeah, yeah like know, a professional hitman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or exorcist. That works. So I've been looking forward to Hunt for the Skinwalker for ever since he announced the film. There aren't a lot of well-known researchers in the paranormal, I think. Right. And a lot of them I don't take very seriously. Really? I know, shocking. <laughs> um, I, I don't really consider, and this, this might be an unpopular statement, I don't really consider ghost investigation to be legitimate research. It, I mean, no. it, if you're doing that, great. I'm not going to say don't, but... I don't think you're learning anything new. It's turned into sort of this activity. Like, yeah, it's like, a hobby. Like, like rock climbing or <laughs> yeah. skeet shooting or it's like, let's get together and see if we can get some noises or pictures. Or It's frustrating for me because I think at one point it was a legitimate right. research type of thing. But with the popularization of certain shows yes um it's turned into this group activity right so again if, if, if that's something you're into that's cool i mean I, god I, bless you i know your friend dawn yeah you know is she she's uh she does these organized events and yeah. they're a lot of fun but well, and there there's more of a purpose too it's not just about getting an experience they actually want to assist that too yeah, yeah, yeah. find and i have a lot I have a lot of respect for that. Absolutely. I, I guess what I mean is in terms of bringing new things to what we know about this. Right. Ghosts, or the, those kinds of those kinds of activities don't really help, I, really. I think. No, I agree. But Corbell, the, the research he's done, he has access to a lot of things uh, a lot of people. Right. That most folks don't. And I feel like the research he does actually has some weight to it because he gets that access. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, as we discovered in Hunt for the Skinwalker, it doesn't necessarily translate into an engaging film. <laughs> um, the film itself is, it's, it's two hours long. And again, I, I was looking forward to it because, uh, you know, again, I, I take him seriously. I take his research seriously. I, I enjoyed his last documentary, Patient 17. Right. What was that about? That was about a doctor who analyzes what people believe are extraterrestrial implants. Oh, okay. He was a legitimate doctor, and he, oh. he, he, he's quite elderly, and he, oh, okay. he died during the process. Right. And so they didn't have an ending. 
<laughs> Sorry. And then no, 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 no. It's it's it's. I mean, it must be frustrating as hell, but it's uh, kind of funny yeah. as far as it goes. Really frustrating. Um, but then whatever always happens in these sort of UFO type communities take took place in that there suddenly was a lot of infighting. Right. And you know, people. I think someone took the sample. And then it was like, well, it's mine, and, and you can't see it. And, and you know what? I hate that. And that happens in every breaking That's very true, yeah. I remember looking on Facebook, and paranormal groups would, like, get in fights with each other. Oh, it's yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, come on. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, uh, it, those groups don't often don't seem to last very long. No, but to be fair, I was part of, a, like, a canoe club at one point where you could, you know, board canoes. Well, I was in it for, like, a month, and then I left because it turned into this infighting between the kayak people and the canoe people. And, oh, God. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm good. And yeah. an aquarium club, I um, looked into at one point, and I'm like, they're all fighting for what? Yeah. It's fish. Settle <laughs> down, people. So I walked away from that. Yeah, too. so it's not just paranormal it's stuff. It's really not. But... Uh, and Hunt for the Skinwalker is more ambitious than that. It's it's a bigger right. canvas, and as we said, it, it's um it, we found it well I found it a little bit slow, a little bit repetitious in places, you know. And I think because I read the book Hunt for the Skinwalker by George right. Knapp and Colin Kelleher, right, a lot of the information they provided was not new. Did you ever find out what happened to Colin Keller? Colin no, Keller? I think he's still working for Bigelow. Oh, okay, yeah, because he was noticeably absent from the new part of the film. He, he really was, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the way the documentary is structured, I guess we should go back and tell the story a little bit. Right. So Skinwalker Ranch, I don't know the dates, but Skinwalker Ranch is in the Uinta Basin, as I mentioned, northeastern Utah. It appears to be a locus for paranormal activity. That whole basin seems to be a locus for all kinds of paranormal activity. Lights in the sky, shadow creatures, portals, things crawling out of portals. Yeah, that was not cool. No, and the land was vacant for quite a while. It was purchased by a family called the Gormans. As I understand it, that's not their real name. Right. They were ranchers. And immediately, things started happening. One of their calves, I believe it was a calf, was attacked by this thing. It was a wolf right. that was about chest high. At first, they thought it was domesticated because it was so docile. Yeah, it wasn't scared of people at all. And it wasn't scared of people. But then yeah. it's, it, it changed completely and yeah. attacked this animal. It was trying to pull its head through the bars of the crowd. It was, yeah. Messed up. And according to the story, Gorman shot off four rounds with a three fifty seven Magnum. It did not deter this thing. Finally, they used a high-powered rifle. Yeah. And that seemed to... It dis blew a hole through it. It blew a hole yeah. through it, and the thing <laughs> ran off. The piece of organic material that blew off the animal was weirdly desiccated. Yeah. It wasn't a, like a bloody piece of flesh. Yeah. It was like something, like a costume, almost. You know, like, a, like an old piece of, of fur. They tracked the animal as far as the river, and then it just disappeared. So these things continued to happen. Again, there was a portal in the sky that appeared to lead through to something else entirely. Something flew out of it. They saw sort of like a vortex almost open up and a creature pulled itself out. That was the creepiest part. Yes. And, and dropped down onto the road from a four foot height and then ran off into the darkness. Yes. No. The property was purchased by Robert Bigelow, who's a billionaire. Uh, headquartered in Las out, Vegas. Yeah, yeah, headquartered out of Las Vegas. And he conducted the largest private paranormal investigation in history. I believe it was eight years where he had a team of scientists set up on the property to evaluate this thing. The Gormans lived on the property for a while at least, but they started losing a lot of cattle. Expensive. Expensive cattle. cattle. Yes, yeah. there were, uh, mutilations were taking place. So eventually they left. But for a long time, the results of the, for a long time, the results of that investigation were not publicly available. And the journalist George Knapp wrote a book on the subject with one of the scientists from the investigative team uh, named Colin Kelleher, who we've been mentioning. 
that book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, came out, I think, around 2005. Right. And I've read it. It's a great book. But as I said, that sort of forms the basis for a lot of this film. And so if, you, if you've read those stories, you kind of know the film to a certain degree. And, and not only that, but um, the journalist put together his own documentary on it. Yeah, he put it sort of these uh, never got shown. mini segments that were, he was never able to properly show. Yeah. So what Corbell has done is he's taken a lot of Knapp's old footage and sort of created a, a framework around it to sort of establish what happened with the ranch back then, contrasted to what's happening now. It's cast in a new light because recently the New York Times broke the story that the U.S. government has had a program for investigating aerial phenomenon. They've sunk something like $20 million into this. Oh, yeah, big time. And, I mean, this shouldn't come as a surprise. I mean, the, the Defense Intelligence Agency and the CIA, they spent over $20 million over 20 years uh, making, uh, what is it called, Project Stargate work, the remote viewing project. Right. Uh, but it was interesting because the story only broke in 2017. It's yeah. not like this has been knowledge, public no, knowledge no, no. for a long time this is at all. brand new information. Yeah. So that's, I, I think one of the reasons that the documentary came to be was all this information has come out. And the fascinating thing for me was that, well, you know, reading the book and then watching the film is that this isn't just happening on this piece of property. The piece of property is part of a much larger pattern. Right. You know, this is happening in the, the Uinta Basin. This is happening to the nearby towns. Yeah. And this, in some cases, they think this, uh, like sightings of these lights and things like this may actually be leading to physical ailments. Yeah. They talked about that specifically with the First Nations Reserve that sort of is quite close to the ranch that one poor woman has lost a son he got real sick after having a ufo experience or what she believes to be ufo the other son got ms and yeah yeah and and her neighbor died and she's absolutely convinced that these personal up close experiences with these quote-unquote lights is what's killing her friends and neighbors essentially and her family well, I know John Keel came to a conclusion back in the 70s that exposure to UFOs was giving people burns. Wow. Almost like radiation burns. Yeah. Like, um, I think he called it actinic radiation or actinic radiation burns. Okay. Yeah. So like, almost like extreme sunburn. Right. And what's interesting about that to me is there was some talk, you know, some sort of speculation that certain UFO phenomenon comes via the ultraviolet spectrum. Right. Which makes it harmful Make, to us. Makes perfect sense. If, if we look at the past evidence that fits with, you know, with this pe- these people's assessment of what happened. Right. But it's it's so fascinating. It is. And I knew nothing about this. I knew the name Skinwalker Ranch. Right. And just brief conversations we've had. So that was good for me because watching this documentary was sort of a whole fresh like, oh, wow. Right. And I was able to kind of form my own opinion on what I thought it might be. And Anthony was there with us. Our yeah, we watched Anthony, with our researcher, Anthony. Who, who's great and had some great uh, insight and opinions on it as well. So, yeah, it was just a, it was an interesting thing. It wasn't what I was expecting. And I don't know. I think if you were waiting for this and you're a real fan of this, I, I think you might be disappointed. Yeah, I, I was. I was. Right. I was disappointed. I, again, I, I think it's worth watching. Uh, but I, it was not the revelation I'd hoped for. Right. You know, and, and again, the, the, I got the impression watching it that there are things they cannot say. And again, that was always the impression. It's annoying, though. It, it is like, annoying. Come on, then don't say them. <laughs> yeah. Don't hint. We don't want to hear that. Well, it wasn't even hints. It was almost like he's about to say things and then they kind of avoid it. Yeah. The other issue I had with the film that sort of disappointed me is they never really engaged with what I sort of took to be some criticism of the Gorman story. Right. So I read the book Skinwalker Ranch, No Trespassing. Oh, okay. And in, I can't remember the name of the author, but in it, he sort of casts doubt on some of the stories in Hunt for the Skinwalker. Interesting. He claims that the Sherman family, who's work in the book called The Gormans, right. 
that they were re-interviewed and claimed that many of the things they that are described in the book did not happen. Now that makes me think of Amityville Horror, where right. they, where they talk about um, the family, the Lutzes that you know ended up with the book deal and all the rest of it. That it just didn't happen. Right. Um, but I mean, in that case, the Lutzes, you know, they planned it. Whereas this case, it, it, again, I'm, I haven't read it in a while, so I might be misremembering some of it. Is it just sensationalized then, do you think? Or? Well, I was thinking that, but then, I, I, again, I don't know why they would do that. Because they weren't allowing anyone else to come. They weren't selling tickets. Yeah, true. And I mean, you're not going to make a mint selling a book. No. Even in 2005. As we both know. <laughs> yes. You made more than I have, you son of a bitch. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I don't. I, that, I think that was the implication was that they had been sensationalized, right? But I, I haven't read anywhere else where that is the case, and certainly they didn't address it in the film. No, not at all. There was, it's all like, oh, this all happened, and this is all real, and yeah, you just need to accept it as such, and yeah. yeah so I was hoping they would engage a little more with that criticism. But again, maybe if maybe that criticism is not valid. Skinwalker Ranch seems to be very similar to the subjects we were talking about earlier, in that there are people who claim a certain amount of ownership over what really happened. Right. And oftentimes they're people who have nothing to do with the actual site. You know, mm -hmm. they're people who, who are have been denied access and are bitter because they've been denied access. And I wonder if that bitterness maybe plays into it a bit and, and they sort of poo-poo the stories of other people because, well, I wasn't there. Right. And if it's not my story, it's bullshit. You know, because access to the ranch is tightly controlled. Oh, absolutely. And, and they make that very clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts in terms of what is on the ranch? Not necessarily the film, but... What's, what's actually happening in the property? I had a couple of impressions. First one tied in with what Anthony suggested, which I thought was a, a nice, fresh approach, which really wasn't mentioned, uh, was that this was all tied to an elemental. Now, this was all tied to a very powerful land-based ancient spirit. Right. And I think why I would agree with it was they talked about in the documentary about whenever someone dug a hole or disturbed the earth, things ramped up. Right. And so that to me thinks, okay, and it could be one of the most powerful elementals anyone's ever heard of. And I don't know that they do reveal themselves uh, as they truly are. I don't know that they would be able to do that. I do believe that the rock formation, because in the documentary, they talked about how the local First Nations people were very concerned with that ridge of rock and that they, part of their cultural teachings was you don't go near the end of it because there are weird things happening there. Right. It's almost like a like a border. Once you cross the border, right. then you're in the, the in the, their zone, their kind of skinwalker thing. territory. Right. Yeah. And and so that, considering how far back it goes, I think that's definitely part of it. They talked about the UFO things happening back into the 1920s. They were saying that legends, recorded legends of strange activity, go back as far as 1776. Yes. Yes. So there's definitely something going on there. On the flip side of that, okay, so elemental, I'm cool with that. Do I think it's like paranormal poltergeist? No, I don't. I, I don't I don't think it has anything to do with spirits. Right. Uh, it's definitely going to be like an elemental or a UFO. I don't know a lot about UFOs. They're not really my thing. Right. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there's other civilizations, cultures, people. I'm good with it. Right. Right. I don't need to prove it or disprove it. I don't really care. Yeah, no, fair enough. Some people I know are obsessed with it, and God bless them, they're going to figure everything out for the rest of us right i don't care yeah no that's fair um so well, but a lot of it seemed to be sort of ufo focused anthony had a suggestion i thought was really interesting is that he believes that by and large the ufos are separate from the activity of the skinwalker 
uh, of like the elemental. He thinks that that basin might be the source of enormous natural energy. Drawing the UFOs. Yeah, the, because yeah. they don't know what it is either. No, nope, you know, I they, agree. They, they themselves may also be extra dimensional or, yeah. or, or extraterrestrial, who knows. But they are attracted to this huge power source because they don't understand it either. Uh, it makes and sense they're to trying me. to make some kind of sense of it. And that would make sense with people getting sick. If you're standing next to a microwave 24 hours a day, seven days a week, sure. it's going to affect you. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if there's people there who are especially sensitive to that power source. I don't know. Well, I wonder if you live close to anything, if you become sensitive to it after a while. Like that's, I, I know a long time ago, I, I went to an allergist and he said to me, you know, I asked him why I was suddenly allergic to apples, for example. Right, right. And he said, one of the theories is that because there's so much pollution in the air, that pollen cannot disperse the way it used to. Right. So we're sort of marinating in it. And the longer we marinate in it, the more sensitive to it we become. Makes sense. And so I wonder if that's happening to the people who live in that basin. Mm -hmm. If they are so close to it that their resistance to it is that much less. Yeah. So if they actually are, if they actually come across, uh, you know, a, sort of a direct encounter, yeah. they are going to be hurt much more than someone who's just passing through because they don't have the resistance. Makes sense to me, yeah. Yeah. For I sure. mean, something that I thought was interesting is they talk about things like uh, poltergeist activity. Yes. And th that sort of reminds me of the Mothman prophecies by John Keel. Basically, one thing that happened in Point Pleasant during the time of the Mothman right. was there would be sightings of, of either the Mothman or lights in the sky followed by uh, poltergeist-like activity. Oh, okay. And then I remember reading Dion Fortune, uh, who was an occultist from the first half of the 20th century, and I, I can't remember which book it was. It might have been Psychic Self-Defense. In it, she describes trying to invoke an air elemental using occult magic oh. and botching the ritual. Oh, no. And what happened after that was very much like poltergeist activity. Oh, okay. Broken dishes, things right. flying around the house. So it's like she'd brought it through but couldn't control it. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. And and it, it, what sort of triggered in my head was they talked about the story of the four bulls who ended up putting put in a very confined trailer. Right, yeah. Kind of like just no one knows how they got there. It, and it was in the space of a very short amount of time. And the residual of that was the fence, the entire metal fence of the corral was magnetized. Right. Which no one could explain. So yeah. I wonder if that sort of power is evoked. There's like a power burst. And then there's this residual almost like an after effect or a ripple or an aftershock from an earthquake. Right. So I wonder if that intense power has been there and this poltergeist-like activity is just a natural sort of leftover remnant of that. Maybe, yeah, that could be too. The power thing reminded me of something Steve suggested uh, after he went through our audio the last time we had an, an anomaly. Right. He said that on the side where the audio manifests itself or the anomaly manifests itself most strongly, if you look at the waveform, it's almost like there is a power draw. Right before it happens. Right before it happens. Right. There's like a, a you, you hear it before, there's a little bit of a, a crackle leading up to it. And then there's a, a larger draw when it actually happens. Wow. And so you were, you, your theory was that it's pulling something. Right. It, it's pulling the energy it needs from the electrics. To make the noise. To make the noise. Yeah. And so that would fit with the idea of something on a much larger scale. Oh, absolutely. Pulling and then just releasing. Right. You know, something big enough to move four bulls. Something, yeah. you know. Or strip the flesh off a baby calf. Yeah. Leaving no blood, no nothing. That was horrifying. That was weird. Oh, that man. That made me be like, mm, that's not just a mutilation. That's yeah. beyond weird. It's almost like they were feeding. Yes. Like the, like they need uh, like blood. And you know, like they, they need to feed. Like anything, it needs to feed. Right. 
and which is kind of a terrifying thought. Yeah, I mean, I'm grateful it's the cows and not humans, but... <laughs> yeah, but, but you wonder, maybe there are places where it, there, it has been. Oh, absolutely. People go missing all the time. That's it, yeah. I know, uh, further to the elemental thing, there was uh, something... It's a fairly well-known story, but Dion Fortune references it in the same book where she talks about the botched air elemental. Uh, a friend of hers was on her parents' estate. Right. And she was trying to conjure earth elementals. They found her dead in a field covered in scratches. Really? Yeah. And what's interesting about that is in a lot of UFO cases, uh, especially the older ones, there are times, or not a lot, but some of them, the people have been attacked by little things that scratch the shit out of them. Wow. And, of course, missing 411. Some of these kids who go missing, some yeah. of the old people who go missing, when they turn up, covered in scratches. Really? Yeah. That's weird. It is weird. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's almost like, again, this is some hallmark of, of Earth Elementals. Right. You know, this right. sort of like chaotic little scratching Or getting things. something or experiencing something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. it, it really makes you wonder. But this woman wasn't dead from the scratches? She was just, she was just dead. dead. I mean, this we're talking probably 80 years ago, so, you know. Yeah, they, the aliens have probably improved their technology since <laughs> That's then. right. <laughs> They're like, oh, remember we used to do anal probing? Ha, ha, ha. Good times. Now we just do it for fun. <laughs> just to fuck with people. <laughs> but, yeah, so, anyways, we, we don't have a lot more to say on the subject uh, of that. I mean, the film is, again, skin, Hunt for the Skinwalker. You can find it on iTunes, Vimeo, uh, Google Play. And if you watch it, we'd love to hear what you think about it. Shit, because, yeah, Absolutely. You know, I, I was a little bit, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect. I don't know a lot about it. Right. But I would have been happy just watching the old documentary tapes. Right. I didn't feel like I needed to have it sort of explained to me again. Because right. the original documentary tapes were great. They gave tons of information. That's true. But, you know, I, I get it. You need to kind of repackage it, put a new spin on it. And well, I think otherwise they wouldn't have seen the light of day. I like, agree. I, th I think there yeah. would be no way to deliver those to people. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I'm fascinated, too, to see what happens going forward because it has been revealed that the government now, uh, because Robert Bigelow sold the property. Right. And, you know, the, the NIDS investigation, the National Institute for Discovery Science, that was the team who operated there originally. Right. That was all privately funded. There's now a different team there who are government-funded, but the program they're operating under has not been made public. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So the government is aware of this, and they are, the, or the U.S. government is aware of this, and they're trying to assess whether or not whatever is happening, of course, is a security threat. Well, and this is where I love, because the movie kind of opens up with that. Right. Oh, it's big, and we can't control it, and it's obviously a threat to our defense, and it's like, dudes, if this is what we think it is... You're, whether you care or not, if you can defend yourselves, is pretty irrelevant. Oh, yeah. Like, you're done. That's it. So just stop. Just leave it. That, that frustrated me, but, that, you know. That reminds me of something that happened, and I haven't talked about this much on air, and I'm not going to get into it, but I have been doing some research into something. Right. And I have some theories about what it is, and so I tried a meditation, like a, a guided meditation, right. where I reached out to see if I could contact this thing and how did that go well it was interesting yeah because i feel as though now of course this, i understand how crazy this sounds but i feel as though i contacted something right and i said to that thing are you a threat to me right and it said no because and this is i'm, I'm sort of i'm obviously paraphrasing but basically it's no threat to me because it doesn't care about me at all yeah because my anything i can do or say is so 
meaningless yeah. to it. Yeah. That it, it said it is amused by me. Yeah. But nothing I can ever do is ever going to change anything it It's does. like being worried about a hamster in North Vancouver. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> exactly it. And it's so it's the same idea, right? I mean, we sort of we, we go around with our cameras and our military shit. We, and we think we're all that. We feel really yeah. important, but yeah. ultimately we are so powerless. And in the face I of think things. that's the hardest thing for people to swallow, especially if your job is to be a military defense person. Sure, yeah. You really do feel like you've got all the answers and you don't. No, that's it. I mean, And I'm sure in a normal situation you do. I mean, that's a valuable, it's a valuable yeah. thing, but yeah. when you're up against, against... other people. Against other yeah. people, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when you're up against a hole in the world, there's not a hell of a lot you can do about <laughs> that. Uh, unless there's some kind of ghost force that we're not aware of. That would be awesome. Cool. I want to join the ghost force. <laughs> I do want to join. As long as there's no running. No, or flying. Mm, no. Yeah. Or carrying heavy things. Oh, yeah. No, that's no good. No, but if there's chocolate or <laughs> pizza involved, I'm, I'm in. It's a very specific requirements of the ghost force. I, I think they probably wouldn't want us. I think you are right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our thoughts on Hunt for the Skinwalker. Yep. Uh, going forward, do we have any news? I mean, we'll do all the patron shoutouts on the actual sh- on the official show. Halloween's coming up. Big Halloween giveaways. Yes. And we've actually had uh, some some development there. Yes. So we're going to be giving away on Halloween. We're going to be drawing from among our patrons to receive a, uh, I think, 24 by 36 print of our brand new design from Trey Trimble, which is on our Instagram at, uh, you know, Instagram.com slash Ghost Story Guys or on the Facebook page. Uh, you can see that there. Uh, we're going to be giving away a signed print of that to one of our patrons. But we've also been contacted by The Abyss who is a synthwave artist we've featured on our show before. I'm glad you clarified, because otherwise that could be really scary. Yeah. <laughs> the Abyss. The Abyss. We're going to be featuring two new tracks from him in October on two of our episodes, because his new album, Centurion, is coming out. He has given us 25 free download codes for that brand new album. So that comes out on October 30th. October 30th is when our new episode comes out, or our final Halloween episode comes out. So we are going to be drawing now for 26 prizes. Woohoo! Yep, one signed poster from us, and professionally printed. I, I've sent the file over to the printer already, and twenty-five copies of the Abyss's new album, Centurion. Again, if you want to get on that, go to Patreon.com/slash/GhostStoryGuys. You can even support at a dollar, and that gets you in the draw. Yeah, but you probably won't win. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I'm not supposed to say that. Yeah, quiet, quiet. Yeah, quiet. it's not rigged. I'm trying to be sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess that's going to do it. We'll be back next week with our first episode of Halloween. We're not going to tell you what it's about. Oh, it's going to be good. But it's going to be good. Yeah. Yes. Probably scare me a little bit. I hope so. Yeah, it that always be a little bit. Me. We'll be back in a week with episode number 42. And until then, into the darkness we go. Ghost Force. <laughs> Did you feel anything earlier? Yeah, over yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same in here. Corner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got, I got chills. I know, and I kept. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. I actually went. I, I... thought that's why you asked me. No, because I the whole time I was staring over there. Oh no, I, I pointed at one point. I saw that, but I was already staring over there. Oh no, I had no idea. Oh, weird. Oh yeah, no. Okay, that... well at least we know 
we're both feeling it then. All right. Interesting. We have company today. And well, I, it'll be interesting if there's anything on the audio. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll check. <laughs> Yay. That's going to do it for this week. We'll be back in a week with our... And I may have shirts made now saying Ghost Force. Ghost Force. I think that would be amazing. If you want your Ghost Force shirt. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> we'll make you one. Right. Ghost Force. <laughs> have our faces on there, but we're looking really cool smoking cigars. Yeah, like we don't look like ourselves. Yeah, well, we'd have to. <laughs> yeah. If we want to look cool, we'd have to. Ghost Force. <laughs> Jesus. It's my new thing. Yes. Send us another 50. <laughs> <laughs> so we're whores for 50 bucks. Good enough. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.